morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's Fireside Chat with Tim Cross, our Senior Vice President. I'm Lisa Stearns, Vice Chancellor for Marketing and Communications. We're very excited to have you with us here on this Friday. We're especially excited to have our own Donnie Smith joining us, uh, who is part of our UTIA family, and we will be hearing from him shortly. Um, and be sure to stay with us to the very end of today's chat because we have a special surprise for you. Um, for those of you that are new to our chats, uh, remember to please keep your audio muted. It does help everyone hear the conversation. Um, be sure to use the chat function if you would like to ask a question of one of our guests or to Dr. Cross. And um, you can use the public chat or you can actually send it to me privately. It is working this time uh, if you don't want your name attached to it. A recording of this session will be made available on our UTIA coronavirus website. Um, so for those of you that cannot, um, those that can't join can actually watch this uh, chat a little later on. So to get things started, Tim, we are hearing that more states are lifting the shelter in place requirement and re reopening businesses. Tennessee was one of the first to make this decision. And what are the details of Tennessee's plan um, as you understand it? Thanks, uh, Lisa, and good morning, everyone, uh, for, for week six of our fireside chats. Uh, really nice to see uh, everyone joining us again and appreciate uh, you taking the time to uh, catch up, uh, give, give us an opportunity to share a little bit of information and make sure we're all together as we continue through this uh, challenging time. As far as uh, changes that have occurred since we talked last Friday, uh, we do know that, that Governor Haslam lift, lifted or, or is letting expire uh, the order to shelter in place. And we're also hearing even at the national level more and more uh, tendency for states to consider doing that. Uh, Tennessee is one of, of the first uh, states to, to probably make that decision. Uh, but I think it's really important to be careful about how we interpret that. Uh, lifting the order to shelter in place does not eliminate the CDC guidance that we're uh, following. So we're not declaring a coast is clear, everything back to normal. We're not flipping a switch uh, and instantly restarting every segment of our economy nor every segment uh, of the university and our Institute of Agriculture. This is gonna be a really uh, uh, controlled and careful, and, and maybe the best synonym might be slow uh, re-entry process uh, that, that we're about to embark on. Uh, so I, I think uh, really and truly the re-entry uh, process as a result of this expiration of the shelter in place is a matter of us determining, okay, what does this mean uh, for the University of Tennessee and, and specifically uh, the Institute of Agriculture uh, and we still face the same challenges today that we faced one week, two weeks, even six weeks ago. Uh, the question is, how do we slowly, carefully, and safely uh, respond to uh, the, the continuing uh, challenges that, that we have before us? And um, as I understand it, the metropolitan areas uh, really can make their own decisions. Is that correct? That's right. So the, the governor uh, has basically said uh, that, you know, in our large metropolitan areas, they have their own uh, health department, their own county health uh, staff, whereas in 89 of our counties, uh, the state provides uh, the health department uh, staffing. So in, in 89 counties, basically, uh, each county will be determining uh, how it uh, uh, comes uh, back online, if you will. Uh, under the overall state guidance, whereas in our major metro areas, Knoxville, Nashville, uh, Shelby uh, County, Memphis, uh, they'll be free to make some of their own decisions and, and implement their own restrictions as well. So what it really almost amounts to is we've got uh, 95 different scenarios we have to uh, deal with or respond to. And it's gonna be challenging, obviously, as a statewide organization to stay in sync uh, uh, in each of those locations while we also adhere to uh, a base level of, of university uh, guidance as well. And that's, that's a challenge we'll certainly have to deal with. So what does all this mean for UT and specifically for uh, the Institute of Agriculture? 
Yeah, we, we've really, this week, uh, been realizing that coming back to our workplaces is going to be a whole lot more challenging than it was to leave our workplaces because uh, it was it was pretty pretty uh, straightforward that we needed to, to scale back and, and begin to work remotely and, and um, that happened over a relatively short period of time but it was clear that we needed to send basically everyone home possible uh, which is the status certainly that we've been in for a while now uh, that that was pretty straightforward as we think about re-entry uh, there's there are a whole lot more factors to think about because again think about what what the uh, the goal is here and the goal is to uh, slow or reduce the transmission of this virus and so as we begin to see more uh, activity uh, with regard to uh, our offices our classrooms our laboratories what we don't want to do is trigger a, a big increase in the number of cases and so it's going to be uh, again probably a little bit more uh, time consuming and, and uh, take a little bit more thought as we consider how to bring uh, folks back into our workplaces. So first of all let me emphasize this is going to be slow it's not going to be fast it won't be overnight uh, and second of all it's going to be consistent with the priorities that we set early on and just as a reminder those priorities were first to protect the safety and health of our employees uh, all our faculty and staff uh, our students and, and all the stakeholders that we serve so that's still priority number one uh, number two you know continuing to provide uh, the opportunity for students to succeed to, to graduate, to uh, complete their courses and so forth. Number three, carry out our research, carry our extension programs uh, to the best of our ability and, and using new delivery uh, or new uh, approaches to those uh, uh, mission areas. And number four, continuing to serve our, our emergency and critical care patients uh, in the College of Veterinary Medicine. So we're not abandoning those and just saying, okay, it's, it's back to normal, if you will. Uh, we've got to uh, approach this with those priorities still in mind. And consistent with that, then we still will be following CDC guidance because that gives us the best, uh, I think, uh, roadmap to follow, if you will. And CDC has already established very clear and explicit uh, guidance with regard to phases. And we will only move uh, through those phases as, as long as our metrics uh, with regard to the number of cases, number of hospital beds uh, occupied and so forth. They, those are the metrics that will determine whether we can uh, move through uh, the phases from one to another. Uh, so we, we have our uh, UTI task force really working hard right now on what those phases uh, would look like for our institute. And we're also of course partnering and working very closely with the University of Tennessee Knoxville and their task force uh, to determine what happens uh, as well. So in a nutshell, what I see uh, uh, moving forward from here is that there will be uh, probably two or three different plans that we'll, we'll have to follow. One plan will encompass all of our campus uh, faculty and staff and students, obviously, uh, consistent with uh, the University of Tennessee Knoxville. Uh, so that, that plan uh, will, will really emphasize our campus operations. We're going to need probably a, a separate and slightly different uh, plan to accommodate our off-campus offices, our extension offices and our research and education centers, our 4-H centers, our regional offices. Uh, they're they're going to be in a different situation than, than our campus operations are. So our task force is certainly aware of that and, and working on that aspect of our planning. And then thirdly, I think our College of Veterinary Medicine, again, because they really are still in operation, they haven't uh, totally uh, closed the door, they're still serving patients, and they have very stringent requirements for clinical training for our students, and we can't just uh, shut that off. Uh, we have got to uh, adhere to what the accreditation requirements are for our students so that we don't, again, prevent them from, from making progress. So we'll, we'll see probably different aspects of our plan, but my goal is that we would have a baseline set of practices and procedures for each phase that would be in common across the whole institute, but then particular aspects of each of those areas that might differ, recognizing that in our county offices, uh, we, we've got counties who have already declared 
we're open for business again, effective May 1 or effective May 4. Uh, and while we want to be a great partner with county government, as always, uh, we have to figure out exactly how we do that, recognizing again our, our first priority of protecting health and safety. Uh, I also uh, have, have told many uh, who have asked me, what are you going to do? How are you going to reopen? My response has been, we never closed. Uh, and all of you realize that because you've been working uh, throughout this pandemic. It just hasn't been in the office. So it's really not necessarily a matter of returning to work. It's a matter of returning uh, as needed and as, as necessary to our places of work, our, our workplaces, offices, classrooms, and labs. Uh, but uh, be patient because this, again, won't happen overnight. Uh, we need to be cognizant of those who are uh, in the vulnerable population for this virus, those who are 60 plus, and especially with uh, other uh, uh, health issues, those who have family members that they're living with who are a vulnerable population. Uh, we also need to be flexible. Many of, of our workforce have children at home, uh, and it's not going to be possible for them uh, to re return instantly to work. So we, we're going to continue to be uh, flexible, uh, compassionate. Uh, we're continue to uh, emphasize that if you can do your job at home, we want you to continue to do your job at home. Uh, we want you to work, we want you to be productive, but we want you to be safe. And so uh, for the time being, uh, please plan to continue as you have been and we'll let our task force uh, develop plans. We'll uh, make sure we work very closely with our direct supervisors and, and really have a good solid uh, approach for how we do begin to return and enter uh, phase one of this re-entry process. And Tim, do you see this phased in process beginning on May 4th? That date has been uh, tossed out quite a bit. Yeah, I think again, uh, <laughs> this is coming in some ways very fast. Uh, I do believe uh, on or about May 4th is when we will begin to phase in parts of our reentry as far as the Institute goes. I don't believe on campus will begin May 4th, and I think it may be more like May 11th. Uh, don't hold me to that, but you know, I think it's going to be somewhere in the early to mid-May uh, time frame. Uh, and I think uh, it, much of uh, the first phase might look exactly like what we've been doing for the past six weeks. So uh, for everyone thinking, okay, it's time to get, get back to normal, uh, the past six weeks is the normal we're probably going to continue with for the time being, uh, for the foreseeable future. Again, recognizing that in some of our off-campus locations, that may differ just a little bit. Great. Well, thinking outside of UT and uh, thinking about many of our partners, um, a lot of industries have been struggling, obviously, during the shutdown, and that includes agriculture. What are some of the challenges that you're hearing from our uh, producers? Yeah, I think many of you have probably been seeing in the news or in the paper uh, that, that various industries are, are experiencing challenges probably different than we are even just due to the the environment that they work in. I think about our senior living centers, our, our assisted living centers, you've seen the challenges they face. And in the past couple of weeks, I've been noticing more and more of, of the challenges some of our ag and food industries are facing. Uh, we've been seeing closure of, of processing facilities. Uh, many of those facilities were designed uh, for workers to be in close proximity with one another for obviously for efficiency. Uh, and, and in many cases, probably for safety as well. Uh, but they've been dealing with, uh, uh, in some cases, some fairly significant outbreaks. And, you know, I think about uh, the impact uh, that that could have on, on our food supply and, and then uh, the downstream effects on our farmers and on our rural communities as well. So I think we are seeing, you know, much more widespread uh, activity throughout uh, the economy and, and responses within various industries. Uh, I think uh, it would be great to hear a little bit about that from someone who has been uh, really involved uh, with the industry, and, and that's uh, our very own Donnie Smith, former CEO of Tyson Foods and currently a member of our Board of Trustees. Uh, Donnie uh, has great experience uh, internationally uh, with regard to the food industry and the meat industry in particular. I thought it'd be great to hear from him about his perspective 
both about the university's response to uh, coronavirus. We just heard an update on that from President Boyd this morning, but also uh, what he's been hearing and seeing from, from throughout the food industry, in particular the meat industry. So Donnie is an alumni. We're glad to have you back with us this morning. Appreciate your service on the board and uh, thanks for, for joining us for this chat today. Oh, thanks, Tim. Hey, it's good to be with everybody. I wish, uh, you know, I wish we could do this in person, but it is what it is, right? Uh, these are these are certainly unprecedented times, but I appreciate the uh, opportunity to share with you a little bit. Let me start kind of on the on the board of trustee universities deal. I don't have a lot of details to add to what Tim said. Uh, I know all the chancellors and, and system folks are working together to try to you know, lay out a plan and work through multiple contingencies, thinking forward already into the fall and trying to come up with, with several contingency plans that could range in a, in a broad range of outcomes. I won't go into, you know, very much detail, but I would say if uh, we did have a board meeting this morning, uh, it was pretty short, so it won't take a whole lot of your time. I thought it was pretty, it wasn't pretty informative, it was very informative. Uh, and I would suggest or, you know, hope you would, if you didn't watch it this morning, that uh, you take about 45 minutes or so and watch through that. I think Randy and some of the chancellors did a great job, you know, providing some uh, good details about what we're doing and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, I will say this, um, you know, Tennessee jumped on it pretty fast in terms of, canceling classes and, you know, kind of the thought was and, and across our system, different campuses go on spring break at different times, but, you know, who knows where these kids are during spring break and, you know, might have seen, seen a few of them on TV on the beach in, in Florida, don't know. Uh, and, and, you know, as they come back, you know, if, if we're suggesting a 14-day quarantine, how do we manage that, right? And so the first decision was, okay, we're not going to have classes in March. That'll, you know, get us through that quarantine period and then as, as things started escalating a week later it was you know through through the the uh, uh, rest of the semester and into you know for some of our campuses into the first part of summer others for the summer uh, and kind of now looking forward into the fall so I, I think we as a university and frankly Tennessee as a state did a great job about being really responsible um, about how we approached all this. So I'm real proud. I tell you what, and I've popped in on a class or two and, and that type of thing. I am super, super proud of our faculty. Uh, and I know they've got a lot of, you know, staff and, and, and support behind them. Um, but I, I tell you, um, heroic might be the right word for how our faculty have responded to make sure that our students are, are successful. So, you know, as a Herbert College grad and a, you know, big fan of UT and a member of the board, I want to thank all of y'all for all that you're doing. Uh, like Tim said, we never closed, we just kind of changed. So, uh, you know, these are unprecedented times. There's not a playbook for how to do this because this has never happened before. And so literally, you know, and, and of course, you know, hey, we've got, our folks are talking to, you know, chancellors are talking to other chancellors across the conference and other parts of the country. You know, the presidents are talking in different groups and from, from state and you know, on national level and all. I mean, everybody is seeking the, 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 the broadest range of, of uh, advice they can to be uh, as, as, you know, reasonable and, and, and safe and, and take care of all the concerns of all the constituents. Uh, you know, at UTIA, you know, we're, we're different because we've got extension agents in 95 counties and, you know, other, other places don't have to deal with that. So, so I think we've been very good about seeking as much advice as we plot our unique path and how we're going to, you know, kind of change again going forward. Um, you know, it's interesting. There's a couple of things that have come out of this that I just find interesting uh, and, and you know you won't hear this in the board meeting this is just Donnie's thoughts about what we've learned in the COVID deal and then I'll I'll jump over into uh, the meat industry here in a second but um, you know after 9-11 uh, if you look back at all of that 
you know, and you think, man, what was the big change that came out of all of that? Well, it was probably TSA, Homeland Security, you know, and the way we handle all of that. Um, and, you know, there, I'm sure there's others. Um, you know, when you look forward to the financial crisis, what came out of that? We got Dodd-Frank and all that stuff. And so um, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of, you know, what, what we learn from what we're going through that can help us have, as, as Randy often says, the greatest decade in the history of the University of Tennessee. Um, one thing that I have found, and, and it, hit, it, it hit home for me personally a couple, three years ago, my daughter, who has two degrees from, actually three degrees from UTK, um, she, she has a PhD in Ed Psych from Indiana, but she doesn't have a teaching certificate. So she needed to go back and get a few more credits to be able to, you know, uh, get the teaching part so she could do her student teaching and actually then get into perhaps college classrooms and, and teach. So what'd she do? Well, she called University of Tennessee and said, hey, have you got any online stuff where I can complete the requirements I need to be able to, to do student teaching? Nope, we don't do that. Huh, At the University of Central Arkansas and Conway does, but the University of Tennessee in Knoxville didn't. And so since then, I've been, you know, this advocate for how can we erase the borders of, of, of the state and make the University of Tennessee a national institution? Uh, and, you know, as we face the, the enrollment cliff, as I call it, you know, with the number of high school graduates dropping, I think 25, 26, whatever year that is, it's going to be important for us from a revenue basis to have a, a broad reach. And, and Randy noted today that prior to March 1, we had 60,000 uh, credit hours uh, that we offer. Now we have almost 600,000 credit hours that we've done online. Now, you know, uh, some of y'all, maybe many of y'all would find this hard to believe and would probably vehemently disagree with what I'm about to say. But some of us kind of resist change. Uh, and and what, one thing that this coronavirus has done is it's forced us to figure out a way to educate students online. Now, you know, look, it, you know, the animal science one-on-one -on -one lab that happens, that's probably, you know, can't do that online. Um, but there are a lot of things we can do. Uh, to increase online learning, which we may have to implement. I mean, you think about, you know, Dondi mentioned on the call this morning, you know, if you got 40 kids in the classroom and you try to bring them all back in, you can't stay six feet apart if that's the, you know, going to be the continuing standard. How do you do that, right? And, and so there's a lot yet we have to figure out and, and you know, Tim and all y'all have to you know, ha have to do that. And, and, and I, I know your heart and I know you've got the welfare and the success of our students at, at, at your heart and protecting the safety of everybody that's on this call and everybody that's related to and connected to everybody on this call. So I have no doubt uh, about two things. Number one, we'll do a great job because we're the University of Tennessee. Uh, I also have no doubt that we'll make a few mistakes along the way uh, because we're not perfect. Never have been, never will be. But I'm confident that we will do a great job. Uh, we're, I think we're doing a great job now, and, and I'm confident we'll continue to do that. You know, and, and you know, I, I know you guys know how you've been affected. You know, meat, the meat industry, let me just give you a little bit of background there. Uh, as Tim said, you know, in a lot of processing plants, you know, if you're on the debone line in a chicken plant, debone in the front half of the chicken, pulling at breast meat and tenders, you're shoulder to shoulder with 14, 15 other people as that bird comes across in front of you. Uh, and there's no, there's no way to change that. Now, you know, our folks have gloves, sleeves, you know, hairnets, uh, you know, masks are pretty easy, adds to the PPE, a gown or a frock or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so they're fairly protected, but you are in close proximity with a lot of people inside the square foot of a processing plant. And what's been happening, um, you know, there'll be an announcement that, you know, processor X had um, 
three people come down with COVID-19. And then it gets announced that, you know, a certain maybe a team member dies from, from COVID-19. And what happens is people go, I'm not going back in there. And so your absentee just skyrockets, you know, and it, it may have not even been your plant. It was some other processor's plant, but your, you know, your workers are thinking, hey, look, you know, there's no way I can social distance inside that processing plant. I'm just not going to work. Um, and then, you know, you show up to work the next day and half the plant's gone. They can't run. I mean, you know, and, and so then your inventory starts backing up out in the field. Uh, and, you know, chickens and hogs and cattle, they keep growing. And then, you know, on the other side of that is the, the financial side. Um, so if you're a, and there's a lot of these companies, um, if you're a five or six plant processor selling, you know, billion plus dollars a year, uh, predominantly commodity meat that goes into the food service industry in some, in some form, uh, normally about this time of the year, your breast meat is selling for, uh, if you took a five-year average, and I'm just spitballing here, your breast meat's probably selling for about a dollar and a half pound. Um, gets up a little higher during the summer when the demand's higher. Uh, and um, leg quarters are probably somewhere between 25 and 30 cents a pound. Today, you can buy breast meat all day for 50 cents a pound. Uh, you know, I mean, restaurants are, you know, I, I'm part of a small restaurant deal, about 25% of a deal. Our sales are down 40 something percent. You know, we, and we're, you know, we weren't very good at drive-through anyway, and now everything's either drive-through or curbside. So we're getting a lot of practice on how to get better in our in our uh, in our drive-through. But but uh, lead quarters, you can buy lead quarters all day long for 13 cents. And so that processor's revenue model is just completely shot. And and then on top of that, half the people aren't coming to the plant. And you got to slow the line down. Your birds are getting older. You know, if you do a lot of uh, small bird type stuff, then your birds get outside the bell curve and they don't find a home inside that product anymore. So now what do you do with them? So it just creates all these issues, you know, belly sizes on bacon, you know, ham sizes, ham muscle sizes, uh, all that stuff just becomes huge issues and so, you know, while the meat industry and all ag industries are, are deemed essential and are, are continuing to operate, it is, it, is, it is continuing to be very, very difficult to manage through all this. Um, so, and I could go on, you know, the farmer impact is going to be huge. I will tell you that in this, you know, in the, in the uh, amount of the money that went to agriculture, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying a lot of that went into supporting the meat industry so they could do as, as much as they could to support the farmers that depend on them for a place to process their goods. Um, but it's tough out there. Uh, it's tough here and it is horrific in Africa. I won't go into a whole lot of details, but but uh, just real quick, a couple of notes. And, in, in, you know, we know what you know, to stay at home and social distancing means here. In Rwanda, it means you better not get caught outside walking around or you better not be seen driving a car unless you have a special permit signed by the government or you will go to whatever jail looks like now, which may be a tent camp. So uh, lockdown means lockdown. And, food, you know, there where so many people live in desperate poverty, uh, and only meet, eat meat once or twice a year anyway, they don't even think about meat and eggs. So, you know, if you're a small producer of meat and eggs, you got a real problem because you have no customers. Um, we were producing, and we're really, really small there. We're we, we replacing about 5,000 chickens a week. Uh, we're selling about 400. So it is a mess. Um, and no government help. There's no bailout. There, you know, the government doesn't have any money to start with. So, you know, you're, it's just kind of everybody's on their own. Um, so it's, you know, it's difficult for us. It's horrendous for a lot of people in a lot of other parts of the world um, as we work through all this, which we will, but, but it, it, you know, not without, not without some pain and difficulty. So 
uh, I'll hush for a second and and if y'all have any questions of me, I'll be happy to answer them. Great, thanks a lot, Donnie. Uh, and I think, you know, having a little contrast uh, this morning between the higher ed industry and, and uh, the food and, and meat industry, and then also the contrast between the U.S. and, and other countries uh, is helpful. We, we think about ourselves, we think about our own situation, but I think it's, it's important to realize others are experiencing this in a very different way. So appreciate your thoughts and, and remarks there. Lisa, I think uh, we're ready for questions. Absolutely. And um, just a reminder to everyone, uh, both Donnie and Tim are willing to ask questions and we have had a few come through. Um, uh, one is a question about clarification, Tim, and that is, so the expectation that county extension offices will be back at their desks on May 4th or still working remotely? Maybe a clarification on that. Yeah, I think we, we do need clarification on that and, and uh, it has not yet been developed. So that's uh, one of those things we'll be working on, have been working on already and, and we'll try to bring uh, more uh, specificity uh, to share by next week. Uh, hopefully, you know, as early in the week as possible, but recognizing that uh, we get more information every day and uh, we're, we're trying our best to bring the, our plans along with with the University of Tennessee as a whole, with UT Knoxville, uh, consistent with state guidance, but then consistent with county guidance as well. So I, I, I apologize, I wasn't clear on that, but it's not clear at this point. So uh, you're gonna have to hang with us a little while. Dr. Burns and his team, uh, as well as our task force, are really gonna have to uh, get a little bit more uh, specificity uh, developed uh, as we bring our plans along. And so for now, again, uh, continue to operate as you have, but uh, expect more guidance uh, next week. Um, so another question is, and, and this may be one um, somewhat difficult to answer at this point, but is do you have an estimated time frame in which UTIA employees will be able to invite visitors uh, back on our campus? Um, no, there's not a time frame. It would be metrics based. It would not be, you know, based on a date. It would be based on uh, health experiences and health outcomes. And so we know that uh, for phase one, there will still be no visitors and, and uh, we'll, we'll continue until we achieve those kinds of health outcomes uh, and metrics that would enable us to move to a phase that would uh, enable uh, visitors uh, on campus. And I think that that's a difficult one again to think about because if you think about it being a person uh, coming to drop off a, a lab sample, for example, you know, I think that's very different than saying we're going to have 100 people in a meeting room uh, to participate in a face-to-face -face seminar or workshop. So uh, once again, it, it uh, is going to be very challenging right now to lay out any kind of a timeline for that. Uh, we'll stake uh, consistent with CDC guidance on it. And right now the guidance is, you know, no, no public gatherings of more than 10 people unless, uh, e and even in those gatherings, you still have to have the six foot social distancing in place. So for right now, uh, we're, we're not changing our, our projected uh, date of July 31, uh, which we declared as, you know, our, our hopeful uh, cutoff uh, for uh, public meetings, events and activities. Uh, and that includes uh, on-campus visitors at this point. So questions come through that um, someone had heard that um, that a uh, confirmed case has happened at University of Tennessee Chattanooga. So do you know anything about that? And also where do we stand uh, from an institute perspective on confirmed cases within our own family? Good boy, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm batting zero to this morning. Uh, I do not know anything about the, the University of Tennessee Chattanooga case. Uh, so I'm sorry, if, if I did, I would share it, I promise. But um, I'm not certain of what that uh, case might be. I know there have been cases at other campuses. To date, we still do not have another employee uh, that has tested positive that's been reported. Uh, and I'm confident our, our folks do the right thing. They would have reported if it had occurred, but uh, we still don't have uh, any other employees uh, that have been uh, impacted. 
I think uh, truth in advertising here. I see Dr. Bob Hayes is on with us today. We had a contract employee uh, providing maintenance services, uh, cleaning services at our West Tennessee Research and Education Center that, that tested positive. Uh, but uh, that, that occurred, uh, I believe, uh, April 21st, uh, and there was immediate uh, deep cleaning sanitation done. Uh, the uh, contractor's uh, uh, employer took all the right steps in response to that. Uh, we, we don't believe there were uh, many, if any, direct contacts there. And I think that that situation is, is managed very well. Dr. Hayes, I, I see you're on. If, if you want to make any comments, and we might have to ask uh, Mike Stanley to unmute you. Go uh, ahead, Bob. You pretty well outlined the situation. Uh, the employee, while they were in, they were only in one building uh, cleaning, doing deep cleaning. They were wearing a mask and gloves while they were in the building and showed no symptoms. Uh, also, the employee's husband did not test positive. So uh, we're pretty hopeful and we did a deep cleaning as quick as it was reported to us. The janitorial service came in and uh, went through the building very thoroughly. So, uh, you know, we're just waiting and seeing and hoping for the best. Good, thank you, Bob. And I, I wanna compliment Bob and the, and the team out there at the West Tennessee Research and Education Center. Again, did all the right things instantly and, and really uh, put us in the best possible uh, position to, to continue uh, having a healthy and safe environment and, and protecting the health of everyone uh, out there. And Bob, I, I know uh, by email we discussed that there's very, very few people entering that building anyway. Again, that's the advantage of us working remotely, even when there is a positive case. If we're not in direct contact with those cases, we're we're in you know the best possible position. So, thanks, uh, Dr. Hayes, and and uh, great question. Any uh, others, Lisa? Oh yes. So another question is: um, at such time as employees do return to our various workplaces, will masks be required, as the CDC is suggesting them for general use right now? Yeah, and that's one of those details that, that we've asked our task force to look at. And I, I believe, uh, you know, if I were to predict, uh, I would think, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in if, if something can provide some protection, why wouldn't we want to use it? So I would lean towards saying if we're going to be in close proximity, you know, with one another, let's, let's do that wearing masks. Uh, but then that brings up the issue of where are we going to get those masks and how are we going to distribute them uh, and how are we going to do that safely. So uh, those are one of the uh, thousands of details that, uh, that we've got to work out uh, and, and have our task force uh, weigh in on that as well. So uh, that, that's definitely on the radar screen. And we did get some clarification on this uh, UT Chattanooga case, um, it actually was the spouse of an employee in a particular office who immediately went to into quarantine and uh, everything appears to be black, back to normal at this point. Good. I mentioned that. Um, so Donnie, a question for you. Um, you talked about lessons learned uh, from this pandemic, hopefully for the University of Tennessee. What are your thoughts about uh, lessons learned maybe for the meat industry and other uh, producer groups? Yeah, um, I think everybody is learning on the fly. Uh, you know, I've been out of the game now for, gosh, almost three and a half years. Uh, I do still talk to some processors um, and, you know, friends of mine that I worked with. And so far, um, you know, the, the good I think the best thing that have of this so far in the learning category is, is really not so much about what processors and agriculturalists are, are figuring out how to do differently because of this, but it is how important what we do is, is that the right, that's probably bad English. But I think, I think people who have had safe, abundant, affordable food all their lives 
lose an appreciation or in our in our country have lost by and large an appreciation for all that we go through and the supply chain the transportation the retailers the food service folks whatever uh, that we go through to keep our food safe you know in in all of this your food's safe you know you may not be but your food is um and so i think one of the things that by the way you know, for any of you who are in ag communications or, or what that what that's called now versus what it was called in, in the late 70s, uh, we need to capitalize on what we've learned during this about how important agriculture and the food supply chain is to America and to the world. Um, you know, people have a new appreciation for teachers, you know, healthcare people, uh, farmers, food processors, retailers, truckers, you know, the grassroots parts of this country that often just get passed over for the shiny new nickel. And, and we need to take this opportunity to, to continue to, to expand and teach America how important what we do is. Um, and, and so I think that's the biggest learning so far. I'm sure there'll be after action reviews for days for months after all of this to see what we could do uh, differently but i'm not aware of any immediate changes in the production it models other than you know hand washing hand sanitation you know that that, that type of stuff that pretty much everybody's doing gotcha great um and it looks like one last question here and that is um dr cross if you can clarify whether extension agents will be allowed to be involved in their county fairs if these fairs actually end up occurring this summer? Well, I, I don't know that we know the answer to that yet. And thankfully, it's only April. So, uh, you know, we're still uh, a good ways off. And I think that's one, again, we'll, we'll lean on some input uh, and recommendations, uh, suggested uh, procedures to follow there, certainly by uh, Dr. Burns and Extension Administration, and then it will also have to be considered as we go through uh, a phased up re-entry uh, process here and think about when the fairs occur relative to what phase we're in uh, of that re-entry process. So again, I feel like this morning I've, I've just uh, continually said, well, we don't know, you'll have to wait and see. Uh, that's not because we're trying to hide information, it's because we don't know and you'll have to wait and see. So uh you know if planning can occur i see no harm in being involved in in planning uh, those kinds of events but i know i was on a conference call yesterday with regard to an association meeting that's being planned in february and honestly we we're really struggling to think about how a group meeting of a thousand people is going to happen in february in in an out-of-state location and and the likelihood of us being involved in that so it's, it's really challenging right now to think about these larger uh, events uh, with the public and think about how they could be done safely unless there are some, you know, real milestone developments like a vaccine or like really effective therapeutic drugs. Uh, without those, uh, it really just seems very challenging to see major changes uh, in, in public gatherings uh, in the near future. I know that's probably very depressing and uh, it's, it's not, uh, not a message I enjoy sharing, but I think we got to be realistic and we've got to think this through uh, with, with regard to where we're at and, and what uh, experts are saying uh, this, this uh, virus is, is likely to um, be doing to us for the, the next several months, if not years. So. Uh, Hang tight. Uh, I realize county fairs, regional fairs are extremely important, uh, as is so many other things uh, that, that we've either canceled or postponed. Uh, we will do our very best to be safe, but, but to get back to some of those as soon as we can. Well, Tim, with that said, uh, do you have any final thoughts for the group today? Well, I do have a few, and, and I'll also give Donnie a chance to, to share any final thoughts as well here in just a moment, Donnie. First of all, I, I would say, you know, first and foremost, stay committed. Uh, we've been doing a great job uh, mitigating the virus uh, amongst ourselves and amongst our communities, and we need to continue with that. So 
Uh, I think conditions are improving, but we've got to stay strong and, and continue social distancing, continue great sanitation practices, all the CDC guidance. Uh, stay in touch with your supervisors. Uh, we, we are going to move towards a phased return, but again, it won't be overnight. So uh, just stay in touch, continue as you have been, and watch for more guidance uh, on those phases. Uh, we'll, we'll do our very best to, to be uh, timely with that uh, and, and provide you information as soon as we can. Uh, I know uh, each of you still have challenging situations above and beyond the workplace, uh, whether it's family, friends, uh, community support that you're providing. I know we've got uh, people involved in food service uh, to, to school groups, to other groups. Uh, so uh, continue to contribute where you can, but, but again, be, be healthy and safe as you're doing that. Uh, and I, I appreciate uh, all that you're doing. You know, we established that online portal for contributing stories about uh, how you've changed what you're doing. And I appreciate Donna's remarks about the fact that, you know, one thing a, a crisis like that, this does is, is really uh, incentivize change or motivate or require change. And we continue to get great story ideas and, and our uh, marketing communications group is continuing to use those and developing videos, developing news stories, sharing uh, examples uh, with uh, uh, administration and so forth. So thanks for your continued uh, effort, dedication, devotion to, to carrying out your jobs, even under different situations. And keep sharing those uh, success stories with us. Remember the, the uh, portal can be accessed from our uh, UTI COVID-19 uh, webpage. So with that, Donnie, any, any last remarks uh, you'd like to share? Well, first, thanks for having me. Uh, second, um, you know, the, as I said before, these are unprecedented times and I know it affects everybody differently. I mean, I'm sitting here in my upstairs office with the door closed and, you know, doing a Zoom call is easy for me. But, uh, you know, if you're sitting at your kitchen table with two or three kids running around and your spouse there with you, you know, at a different job doing something different, this is hard. And, 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 you know, I, while I, I'll be totally honest with you and, and say, you know, look at my, you know, gray hair, it, you know, I can't identify with you anymore. Uh, uh, but I, I certainly empathize with you because, uh, you know, while, while many of us are not, I don't know, very affected, I don't know, how, I don't really know how to put that. I know some of you, this is just driving you up the wall and and i i get that and i understand it well i i, you know, I don't understand it but I, I get it and and i wish there was something we could do differently but we really are making this up as we go um and i know tim and, and his team's philosophy is when they'll know you'll know uh but there's just a lot of this stuff that you know we, you know, if you could, on, on a situation like this, if you can take one or two extra days and think just around the edges of what you've been thinking about so far, so that maybe you catch one or two other things that you weren't thinking of before two days ago, everybody's better off. So we're trying to go at a pace that is decisive and, and, and keeps us moving forward, but not at a pace that's so fast that it's reckless and that, you know, I mean, nobody wants to be the campus that makes everything go backwards, right? And so uh, while, you, uh, you know, I, I, I hate the paralysis by analysis, um, taking a little bit of extra time to think through things a little more deeply and think about people you don't normally think about will benefit us a lot in this time. Um, but, you know, we will move as quickly as we can, as thoughtfully as we can, um, to make sure that that uh, whatever our new normal is gonna look like, we can get there safely. And, and I really do believe that we will come out of this having learned some lessons that, you know, we previously thought would have been impossible. I mean, I, I've talked to, hey, look, I ran a food company, right? And I don't know how many times I had people come to me and say, we want to work remotely. No, we can't do that. 
right? We're a food company. We got to be together. We got to be collaborative and make decisions. And you know, how are we going to do R and D remotely? You know, you can't, I mean, all the people in the plant can't work remotely. Why do y'all think y'all should work remotely? You know, I mean, that was kind of my response. And now everybody, but everybody in the plant is working remotely. So I was dead wrong. Right. Um, and, and a lot of this will come out and how do we utilize space and all that. There's a lot yet we have to learn and a lot yet we have to think through, but I couldn't imagine a better group of folks to think through all that than us. So let's be thoughtful and get it right and keep moving forward. Great. Thanks very much, Donnie. And we, we really appreciate you uh, having a board member that knows and understands us uh, is, is so valuable uh, and gives us a lot of reassurance too. So appreciate it. And that. loves you. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. So I think uh, we're going to wrap up today's chat a little differently. Uh, we've got, uh, thanks to our marketing communications uh, staff, uh, a little video uh, to share with you. Uh, hopefully to send you off with a positive message to, uh, again, reiterate that we appreciate all you do. So, uh, Lisa, if you can cue that up for us when the video is over, we'll be done. Uh, and I hope everyone has a, a great weekend once again, and we'll talk again next week. It's the time for us to unite. To protect each other. To show kindness. To be grateful. To raise each other up. The UT Institute of Agriculture remains committed to providing real-life solutions, even during the harsh realities of COVID-19. We may be working remotely, but we're still here for you. UT Ag Research never stops seeking answers to the questions that must be asked. The Herbert College of Agriculture faculty are still teaching and giving students the education they need. UT Extension remains a front porch of the university, serving farmers, family, and youth, building stronger communities in all 95 counties. The UT College of Veterinary Medicine is still hard at work every day to protect our animal world. We're going through a hard time. But we've got this. Oh yeah, we'll be back soon. We'll laugh and love and be ourselves again. Coronavirus, you are one tough enemy. But our volunteer spirit is tougher. Thanks everyone, take care. Have a great weekend.